I'm a helpful Southern California Honda dealer. Over the summer, we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like treating people to free ice cream, sending a high school student to cheerleading camp, and surprising newlywed couples with a honeymoon trip to Hawaii. And we can help you during the Honda Summer Clearance event with great deals on award-winning Hondas, like the Accord, the only car named a Car and Driver 10 Best a record 29 times. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you and find us on Facebook to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know. Car and Driver, January 2015. Caller calling already. Let me see who this might be. 
Who do we have here? here? I have a feeling that one of the men that might get out of control if they get on your show might be me. Is that uh, me you're talking about? Yeah, it might be. It, it might be. It might be our our mysterious man, Joe from Montana. Welcome to the show, Joe. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Meet meet Miss Kristen, a very uh, uh, powerful young lady that has a story to tell, and uh, we're gonna give her the floor for a minute. Sure. And uh, I'll just I'll just hold back. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, I feel like you, I'm in you, trouble you, today. Yeah, no, hey, no, I'm sure he has some uh, uh, some good points, but uh, <laughs> but I can get Christmas. like a mad dog is what he's uh, uh, nicely referring to. But I'll just hold back. I just listen because this show is all about your guests. <laughs> I just called in because I was glad that you're on the air. So um, I'll just wait until everything is finished, and then I'll just uh, pipe on in with my mad dog comments. Well, we're not mad. We're not bashing men today, boy. We're talking about things that. We're talking about some serious issues today. But go ahead, Miss Kristen. We'll get back to him in a minute. Sure. All right. Tell well, our, so my tell name is Car- I'm sorry. I interrupted. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to do what you just did. I was going to just ask you to uh, give our listeners a little background as to, you know, who you are and what's happening with you. See, that's, that's that strong black woman just taking control all, automatically out the gate. You know how that goes. Anyway, my name is Soraya Christine, and I um, am an entrepreneur, I'm a motivational speaker, I'm an author, Um, amongst many other titles. I am um, a mother and a new wife, and I am here today to talk about probably almost all of those things. And so, wherever you want to start is perfectly fine with me. I currently reside in Las Vegas, Nevada, so there's a lot going on out here. Um, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, so I do have some sense about me. Um, and we can just jump right in wherever you want to start. Okay, well let's 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 start from the younger days. I guess we can go from there. I guess some of your trials and tribulations as a young parent that that uh, um, I guess some of the life experiences did to cause you too. I guess write your uh, first book, and then I guess we can start there, and then we can jump into some of the topics that you uh, you broach on your book. Well, um, the book actually started out as just a healing process for me because I started um, very early in life suffering from different forms of abuse. Um, starting at the age of five, I was sexually abused by a female cousin, um, by age 7 until I was 11, I was sexually abused by my mom's living boyfriend. Um, and so from there, things just kind of spiraled out of control for me in my own personal life. You know, I became angry and bitter and non-trusting of anybody because at that point I had been violated by both male and female, and that's pretty much all you get, one or the other. So I didn't trust either. I didn't, um, I became withdrawn and um, love was just not, you know, in my vocabulary and became kind of a a very promiscuous teenager. Um, by the time I was 15, I ended up being date raped, and then by the time I was 18, I ended up being a an abused wife, and so, um, and nearly got killed in that situation. So um, those things just kind of uh, led me to have really bad relationships. I didn't. I wasn't able to make friends like other people. I wasn't able to keep a boyfriend. You know, just 
different things that, that normal girls um, go through in life as they journey into adulthood, I wasn't able to do those things effectively. I was able to mask them well, um, but all in all, I wasn't successful at any of those ventures. And so by the time I was in my 20s, I started to kind of go back in my mind to the things that I had gone through, some of which I hadn't even uh, thought about again. And I started just kind of journaling and writing those things down, thinking that that would help me to overcome them and and just kind of get myself onto a new path. And um, that took many years. And ultimately, in 2012, I just got some new revelations, and that's how the book became an actual book and was presented to the public. Wow. When is strong, strong enough, and how to push through the pain? I, I guess that says a lot because... I notice. Uh, I guess that's what happens to a lot of people that are pushing through the pain part. I don't think mm-hmm. they really know how to get there. Can you speak on that a little bit? Um, you know, initially for me, it was masking it. It wasn't really pushing it through. I started drinking at a very early age. I used to walk to school. I used to walk to high school with thirty-two ounce cups of alcohol. Um, so I was I was masking it. I fought a lot. Um, you know, I started to and 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 looking back, it just really sucks because I was so highly intelligent, but I didn't feel like it, and I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere in this world. And so, you know, it was really hard to push through the pain. It was just kind of a putting a mask on top of it. But um, how I actually learned how to do it was when I found God. To be honest, um, that was the only way for me. And I'm not saying that everybody should believe in what I believe in, but that's what worked for me. That's how I learned how to truly be able to heal from those past experiences and move on to a more quality life. Wow, I'm glad you added that caveat about uh, what it worked for you because I know there's been a lot of, um, you know, uh, controversy in the church, uh, when in regards to you know uh, molestation and mm-hmm. you know rape and and pedophiles and stuff, so right, one right. one way you can find support from the church, but then another way is kind of I don't know. I, I guess it's scary. I guess because a lot of people lost confidence. From saying well, the reason why is because they put their confidence in people in the church. The church is just a hospital for sick people, basically. People <laughs> go there <laughs> seeking some kind of miraculous healing inside the building, and to be honest, that's not what church is necessarily. You know, there are people inside the church, just like the people on the outside of the church. So anytime that you put your trust and confidence in another person to give you what it is that you need to be getting from your higher power, then you're going to have a problem whether you're inside the church or outside the church. The church is just a place for people to go to seek the, to get the word of God, and that's what you need to be in church doing, not necessarily. You know, and it's not to say that you shouldn't be able to go to your pastor and talk to them and get some spiritual advice. You definitely should be able to do that. You should be able to do that with any saved person, to be honest. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't know fully how to walk in that saving. They don't know how to fully walk the walk of Christ. And, you know, you have people like that in the Bible, but 
once you choose to put your confidence in that type in that person and it gets um destroyed, well then it destroys you. And see what you need to be seeking is not you know, not necessarily refuge in another person, but refuge in God's word, and that's kind of how I had. That's how I had to do it. I couldn't go in church. Yes, I went to church initially to get saved and to hear the word of God, but my refuge came directly from Him and studying His word. It, it, it didn't come from another person telling me what I needed to hear because people are going to let you down every time, whether they're in the church or outside of the church. Daddy, you mind if I ask a question? Sure, go ahead. Um, what has happened to you in your life um, practically destroyed all trust in human beings, and you found some kind of um, oasis uh, from the Word of God. How did you find the way to trust enough to get married? Uh, well, because by that point, I was healed. I'm newly married. I just got married in July. Um, and my, my saving grace came a few years ago, actually, around the time that my book came out, probably a few months before that um, I walked into a church in 2011, around August, and got got saved and, and just found a new path. And in January of 2012, my relationship deepened with God because I heard his voice, you know, I heard him talk to me and tell me it's not about you. And so that was a turning point for me. It was just as clear as day. And I had to come to grips with the fact that it wasn't about me. And that hurt. It hurt me to my core because I couldn't understand what What do you mean it's not about me. It is about me. I went through this. I suffered this pain, I, you know. And he had to make me realize that I went through those things, yes, and he was sorry for that. But that happened so that I could help somebody else to heal. And so that's what I'm doing on today because a lot of people, unfortunately, aren't as strong, we'll just put quotation marks around that word, as I had to be in order to get through those things so that I could be walking on the path that I'm walking on today. I had to heal through those things in order to be walking in the walk that he chose for me to walk in. Now, I could have chosen a different path, but I didn't. I'm being obedient and doing what he told me to do. I suffered, yes, absolutely, but my suffering was so that somebody else will be able to understand that they can get through the suffering and not, you know, fall victim in other ways like suicide or, you know, losing their minds and, and different things like that. So okay, um, ultimately, you know, trust just came from trusting and loving in him, and he taught me how to do it. Right, because a lot of people do get caught up in their circumstances and um, they stuck, end up being stuck running in places, running in place. Or um, mm-hmm. you know, getting going out on uh, a, a drug abuse, alcohol abuse, alcohol ab- yeah. uh, abuse, or any other abuse, or um, might even go out and shoot the significant other, whoever the perpetrator was. But even at that point, mm-hmm. you know, two lives are um, destroyed. Actually, more than two lives. Yes, families too. And and I'm not. I've been down every one of those roads you just mentioned. I've been. Down that road, I've turned to alcohol. I've turned to sex. I've never, I've never been a drug addict or did any drugs or anything like that. But I've used those vices. You know, I did almost kill the man that molested me, and that was pure God that took him out of my sight before I could do it. So I've been down those roads. I understand those feelings. I felt like I was losing my mind and going crazy. Been there and done that. But I'm here to tell you that you can get through those things, and God forgives all. 
And one of the things that people have to understand is that not only for healing do you need to to seek God and, and ask for his forgiveness, but you first need to forgive yourself. You know, a lot of us, unfortunately, especially with sexual assaults and even domestic violence and things like that, we take on um, the blame and we, we make it our own and we make it like, you know, we start to believe that it was our fault for one reason or another. I was five and seven years old. There's no way I could make you sexually attracted to me, for real, you know. But in my mind, it was my fault. When I was abused at 18, you know, that was a that was a book in and of itself, but it was my fault as as far as I, you know, I could see. And so that's that's a part of the problem as well. So one of the things that I had to face coming out of that was that I had to let that go and I had to forgive myself and understand that, you know, some people are just bad people. It's <laughs> really not anything you can do about that. And if they don't seek God on their own or, or get some kind of, some kind of healing um, and restoration on their own, then they're just going to be bad people. The world is full question. of them, and unfortunately, question. that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Question: Is it the is it the is it something that the perpetrator causes the victim to feel like uh, it's it's their fault and and not the perpetrator's fault? <laughs> Absolutely, that's uh, they play those mind games. That's all about control. Um, a part of being in control is having your victim, so to speak, um, submissive to you mentally. And so with both of those types of offenders, they they uh, derive power off of being in control. And one of those ways is to make you believe that it's your fault that they're doing this. You know, you shouldn't have did what you did. You shouldn't have said what you said. You shouldn't have wore what you wore. It was your fault. I didn't have a choice. I know uh, 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 my partner, uh, Terry Johnson, she always mentioned stuff like um, for children, they're, they're, um, should I say for the adult, the perpetrator is given a, a, a jail sentence, but the child mm-hmm. is given a life sentence. Absolutely. And, and um, something definitely needs to be done about that because there's there's so much that's going on in the world today that's unaddressed, but a lot of these things go unaddressed because of things that have happened in, in someone's past that haven't been, you know, dealt with or shouldn't have been dealt with. It shouldn't have happened in the first place is what I'm trying to say. You know, unfortunately, things like that are always going to happen. They always have happened. They always will happen. But... um one of the one of the tools that we can use to combat that is just education and um one of my one of my biggest um passions is getting people to understand that they don't have to suffer in silence and that's what I did for so many years and that's the biggest part of the problem is when those things do happen most of us and I learned also that it's not just the black culture it's many other cultures that suffer this as well they're taught you know that what happens in the house stays in the house. And so what ends up happening is things get swept under the rug. I never got help as a child. When those things happened to me, it was swept under the rug. You just need to get over it. And that's just kind of the mentality, unfortunately, in different households. And and that carries on from generation to generation. So people um, ultimately feel like it's not okay to get help. They're embarrassed. They don't want, you know, shame coming down on the family or the family name. And unfortunately, some people go to the extreme that they even protect the offenders because they don't want to bring shame on the family. And that's the craziest thing I've ever seen, but I've seen it happen. And it's just, you know, 
we have to get out of that mentality. We have to to help people to understand that it's okay to get help, and you need to get help right away. I was um, asked a question on yesterday um, by a lady who knows a young girl who's, I want to say, 9 or 10 that was, that was being sexually assaulted, and she asked me, you know, how soon should she get some help? How soon, how soon should she find somebody to talk to? And that should even be a question. If it if it's happened or is happening, she needs to get help right now. You know, when I when I went through it for, for those four years, y'all should have got me help right then. But that didn't happen. And see, and that's I had to end up becoming an adult and trying to figure out help on my own. But by that time, I had suffered all kinds of mental health issues and different problems. You know, coming through all of those years suffering in silence. When my book came out. At, in 2012, I have friends that have known me my whole life and didn't know me, couldn't understand why they didn't know these things about me. But it's because Question, I suffered the, the in pe- silence. The people that, that that did know about it, they didn't come forth because of uh, uh, they didn't want to get in trouble or they just didn't want a part of it. Because I know a lot of cultures they they just don't want to be involved and, and and I don't understand that mentality either but they they just don't yeah. want to be in it even though they know something's wrong they just don't want to be in it and well and, the uh, go ahead the only two people that knew what happened to me were actually my mom and my grandmother outside of the perpetrator um with regards to that particular incident with my mom's living boyfriend well, my cousin, my female cousin molesting me at five, nobody ever knew. I never told anybody until my book came out. So, um, you know, with them, again, it was just that sweep it under the rug thing. Like, you don't want that shame, that cloud of shame over your family. You don't want people knowing your business. You know, that was kind of the mentality of my mom and grandmother at the time. And, and that's the unfortunate part because I don't see how you can allow – these things to happen to a child and not seek help for them. How is it that you believe that this child who suffered these kind of traumas is just supposed to be okay? That's not fair. Hmm. I got another question for you for out of left field because I know we have some listeners on the, on the listeners that don't um, believe in God. They're actually atheists, and mm-hmm. I know these questions came up before. And maybe you know the answer because how would you tell a person that don't have the 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 God that we have that they believe in to get their spiritual power from to help pull them through? What would you suggest that they do in that situation? You know, that's a very hard question for me to answer, but I would start by saying um, at least seek professional help then. Um, there are obviously psychologists, psychiatrists, licensed therapists, and things of that nature um, that can offer some sort of assistance as well with the healing process. Um, But I say it's hard for me to answer that question because I don't know any other help but God. And, you know, it's unfortunate to me, and I'm not putting anybody down, so please forgive me because I don't want it to sound like that, but it's unfortunate to me that people don't know the the love of God. It truly is because... I just, I just, I personally don't see it any other way. But um, if that's something that they're choosing, you know, that's something that they're choosing. And I would just say to seek professional help then in that case and start there. That was a very good answer too, uh, Soraya. 
Joe, there's help for you out there after all. I just want you to know that. <laughs> He's awful quiet, so he must not have heard that remark. <laughs> Maybe he put the phone down. <laughs> but yeah, that that's 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 very good because a lot of people don't come forward and I know that they should. Also I noticed um um you enter phlebotomy and I know that has something to do with blood, but you know, they didn't mm-hmm. teach me in school. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. That's just that's my profession. I've been doing that for the last twenty years since I was nineteen years old. Um I've been a single parent since I was sixteen. So I had to figure out some way to take care of my family and myself, you know. And so um, one of the things that I regret in my life, I had mentioned earlier that I was highly intelligent, and and I was. My IQ was very high, but I was still very stupid, obviously. Um, I was offered a full-ride scholarship to go to college for academics, and I chose not to. I chose the streets. But because I still was in, you know, a bad mental space, I just wasn't ready. And so, you know, by the time I was 19, I had this three-year-old kid. I'm out on my own. Like, I have to do something, you know. So I went to school uh, for medical assisting and, and liked a lot the phlebotomy aspect of it. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if I just enjoy sticking needles in people. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but whatever it was, it held my attention for all these years. So, you know, off and on, it's something that I do right now. I just kind of do it on a part-time basis just to keep my skills up and gives me something to do sometimes. And so... Yeah, it's just it's something that I, I truly enjoy. I teach other people how to do it. Um, part of my, my career, I also own a business um, where I teach people the skills of phlebotomy, nurses specifically, and then also teaching CPR. So well, that's man, gratifying, being able to I, teach people how to save lives. I, I just finna say, boy, you could have another booming business, boy, just teaching people how to stick needles in people. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm glad you legal and doing everything above <laughs> board. Yes. So let me see. You've been doing radio shows, and I, I think you have what some TV show, reality TV shows in the work and stuff going on. Tell us a little bit about that. I <laughs> I will share a little piece of that. I do. One of my dreams is to have my reality TV show. Um, I'm not really going to put it out there, though, because I don't want anybody to steal my idea, but because it hasn't been, you know, picked up by anybody as of yet. So hopefully that will, um, we'll just keep that in prayer and just hopefully it will come to fruition. It will, and it's timing. Um, I have. I have a lot. I'm one of those people who has a lot of dreams and aspirations. I think because I spent so many years not doing anything that, all of my dreams and aspirations, just even from childhood, just kind of overflow in me. So I want to do, like, everything. I've always wanted to be on TV. I've always wanted to be an actress. You know, I want to have my reality show. I, I've, I've done the book thing. I've, You know, there's so many dreams that I have. The radio show that I had for a while was awesome. Um, I truly loved doing that, but it is a huge commitment. You know that, obviously. Yeah. And, um and so it was just a commitment for me that had to kind of um, not necessarily get cut all together, but get put on the back burner because I have a lot of more important things that I'm working on right now. Um, I'm in the process of starting a nonprofit organization called WATCH, which stands for Why Are the Children Hurting, that is aimed at helping um, people who have suffered sexual abuse. 
either as a child or adults who are still reeling from the effects of having gone through it as a child. Um, so I'm in the process of that. I have a women's conference coming up that will uh, kick that organization off. Just, you know, I, I just want, I like to be moving. I like to be doing things. I love to be doing things in the community. I love to help people, and that's just really what I'm all about. So you'll find me doing a lot of different things. Some will laugh, some will not, but um, I just, I'm one of those people who would, who would like to at least touch all of my passions at some point. Um, I, I don't really know why. I think that's part of why I wrote my second book, which is called Shiny Ball Syndrome, Fixing Your Focus, because I had to learn how to focus on something. You know, I, I'm one of those people that the, the next shiny ball rolling by has got my attention, and so I realized that there are a lot of people out there like that as well, so I wrote that book to just help us, <laughs> help us um be able to, to hone in on something and be successful at something. Right. Focus, and that definitely is key because we do tend to lack focus on a lot of occasions, mm-hmm. especially especially when people are, are, are surviving and they're not on the um, the living train yet. You know, there's a difference yep. between living, living and surviving. You yes, know, so there people is. That, people that are surviving, you know, it, it's kind of like hard to – to focus at times because that's what they're doing, yep. you know. <laughs> they 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 trying to make ends meet, you know, and what they say, uh, uh, one check away from being homeless and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Something I read about you kind of, yeah. Something I read about you kind of jumped out at me. I guess it was the magazine that uh, focuses on helping uh, ex offenders retransition into society. Yes, another thing that got put on the back burner, and all, that only got put on the back burner because there, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough support for it. You know, it was just one of those things that people just didn't really seem to care about. You know, I got a few people that were like, "Oh, that's great," and yada yada yada, but it just, you know, a magazine is really not something you can do on your own. Um, you need contributions, you need backers, you need places to put the magazines. I mean, you know, it's it, and it just. It wasn't getting enough support, so that's another thing that that's there, but kind of on the back burner. That was one of my passions as well, um, only because where I come from, a lot of people, you know, are trying to rehabilitate from being in prison, and unfortunately, um, the the rate is extremely high of you know ending up back in prison because they don't get the help that they need on the outside, and so that's kind of what the goal of the magazine was, was just, just to offer different, um, not only spiritual guidance, but also just resources that can help to rehabilitate people and just put them back in on the side of actually living and not just surviving. Like you said, I've always used the word existing, you know, because that was me and my past, and I've never spent time in prison, but I do understand just existing and not really living and so that was the whole goal of the magazine. Yeah, well, that's definitely needed, and I think uh, the resources uh, is key, is key to all that because there aren't any resources because the institution used to be for uh, rehabilitation, but they stopped doing that a long time ago when they started taking mm-hmm. all the books and the education and computers out of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, they they wasn't about being rehabilitated no more. It's about stay dumb, go out there and do something else so we can come back, so you can make us some license plates, 
so you can make us That's some right. furniture, so we can sell and to money. the baby, so you it's can all about uh, money. So you, yes, so you can run our dairy, so we could sell all the milk to all the Albertsons. Yeah, prison industry, but it's it's yeah. amazing that people aren't smart enough to know that it is part of new slave labor. I mean, you don't want to yeah. work for a minimum wage for $8 or 13 whatever it is. You don't want to work for that, but you'll go in there and work for $0.35 cent an hour. You know what? I don't think it's that they're not smart enough, to be honest. I think it's that they choose to be ignorant because the information is out there, to be honest. It's, you know, you can educate yourself on the things that are going on, but I think most people choose not to do that because then – they, they're going to feel the need to be involved, and most people just don't want to be involved. You know, you kind of touched on that earlier with regards to things happening in the home. It's the same way this. People just don't want to be involved. They don't want to, you know, put in any energy into trying to fix anything. So they choose to stay ignorant, and that's scarier part to me. Um, you know, and, but, I, but I'll blame myself as well because, like, I'll take politics, for instance. I vote. But I don't really take the time to educate myself about politics. Why? Because I just choose to be ignorant to it. I don't really want to know all that, you know. And I, I think a part of me fears knowing the depth of of politics in and of itself and all of the things that, that go on inside of that world, you know. I think um, fear is just a huge factor when it comes to educating yourself on certain things. And it's just, it, it is stupid to a certain extent to be that way, but I think that's just part of the problem because well, you once, just, you know, once you know better, you got to do better, you know? You just uh, you just gave me a brilliant idea. I think I'm going to, I'm a, when I get off the show, I'm going to go create something. I, I think I'm going to go create a urine test for ignorance. <laughs> Would that be awesome? Or that fingernail yeah. polish that they got out to test for the rape drugs now? We're going to do a urine test for ignorance because I think <laughs> the average ignorant person don't know they're ignorant, and that's why they don't go get help. Yep, and that's true But because if you break ignorance down, it's basically just a lack of education. That's what being ignorant means. You know, yeah. I'm ignorant to a lot of things because I don't, I'm not educated on it. I don't know. You know, there are certain things that I really just don't know. Trigonometry, for instance. I don't know trigonometry. I'm very ignorant to that subject. I, it's just not my thing, you know. So yeah. it just it just happens that way, unfortunately. And like I said, most of us aren't aren't even going to stop and take the time to educate ourselves so we're just going to remain ignorant. Yeah, we don't we don't even know what we don't know and that like you said yep. it's scary. Most people don't know what they don't know and they're real quick to speak up on a conversation and once they start running their mouth everybody know that they don't yep. know. Yep. Yep, that is so true. Absolutely. I don't know where, don't know where Joe went because I don't tell him about my urine test, boy. That's a brilliant. Yeah, I heard. I heard that. Yeah, there he good. is. It would be good if there was some sort of definitive test, because I'm telling you, you, both of you are being very diplomatic when it comes to the populace of the American people. I just call them freaking stupid. <laughs> you know, I've run across people that I just want to spray some, like spray water on, and see if they change a different color. It's, you know, just. Are you really that stupid? Like, I just, I can't believe it. 
So no, yeah, it, it, I understand. It's, yeah, it's very depressing because it's not just ignorance. Ignorance is, as you said, it's just a lack of education. It's a lack of knowledge. But it's like Diddy said, too. I mean, they they don't know. They don't know. They don't want to know that they don't know, and they don't want to be educated, and they don't want anything to, you know, to be different than what they already believe in. And whoo, so, yeah, that urine test, uh, can I, can I... And- Okay. Uh, I was going to say, can I administer the urine test my way? Uh-uh. Uh, I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to catheterize some folks? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, I don't know about you administering the test, man. We're trying to, we trying to bring out all the ignorant people, man. We're trying to let them know that there is help, you know, something can be done. You know, they don't have to stay this way, you know. Yeah, but that's where stupid comes in. That's, that's, the, that's the fine line where it turns into stupid because once you do know that you don't know and you choose still not to know, that, that is stupid. Oh, that is stupidity. Mm-hmm. Stupid ego, ego with stupidity. There you, yeah. Yep. Yes, indeed. And we don't want to be dissuaded from our prior beliefs. We believe this, and we'll go to our grave defending that particular uh, philosophy and belief. And look where it got you, six feet under. So you did well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ain't got to worry about being stupid anymore. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. So, so what you got next on your uh, agenda, Soraya? What's what's next for you? Because I see you got well, you got a, a plate full. So, what what, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Where are you gonna find time? I mean, what what's next? I, you know, it's funny because every time I do an interview or something, people ask me a question like that, and it kind of throws me off. Only because I try not to to sit there and think about everything that I do, because when I do, it's kind of overwhelming. Uh, because I do a lot, I really do, and I understand that because besides being out in the community and having a business and working a part-time job, I still have a home, you know, that I co-run as well. And so, you know, there's a lot still going on. But my next venture is my women's conference that is coming up on October 11th, um, and that's going to be held here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it is entitled Victim No More, and it is uh, basically focused on helping to bring women out of the victim mentality and out of the suffering and silence and into some healing from things like sexual assault and abuse and domestic violence. Um, So that's the next big thing on my plate. I do have a couple of other books that I'm working on and um, starting the organization, starting Watch. Uh, It's time to do that. You know, God gave me that about 16 years ago, but I've always been too afraid um, or lacking you know, self-confidence enough to start it. And so now it's just the time because I'm a, I'm a different creature these days. And so it's just time to, to move forward and do those things that I've been called to do. Oh, and uh, also uh, Initial Shock, the Bridget Harris story, uh, shameless plug. Yes, that's coming to up too. Yes, I do have a part in that movie as well. Thank you. For reminding me, I actually just uh, recently took out the manuscript and started to look over it again. Um, I'm playing, I forget her name right now, forgive me, but um, I'm playing, playing Bridget's Neighbor, 
And so um, I'm excited for that because that will be my first professional acting role. I've done a couple of little reality-type shows and um, panel-type shows and stuff, but this will be my first actual um, acting role. And so I'm super excited about Initial Shock. And I, I love Bridget. You know, we're Facebook friends. I haven't met her in person as of yet, but um, I hope to be able to do that soon. I really wanted her to come out here for the conference. I think that would have been phenomenal. Um just, when is the conference? When is the conference again? October eleventh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so. God's willing, we make might might may be able to make that happen. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's I'm gonna see. I'm to try to find out if we can get a part for Joe in the movie too. See if we can make get him to play a disgruntled <laughs> neighbor, disgruntled neighbor across the street or some shit. That would be good. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I fit that role. <laughs> that that's what I problem. know. That's, that's, yeah, I'm going to talk, I'm gonna have to talk to Terry about that because we'll see if we need another butthole neighbor or something. That, that, oh, I, can be, I can be the old call, call Mudgeon, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know you can do that one well. Oh, yeah. What are you saying? Good morning, Cool. What's so good about this morning? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, funny. We definitely, Soraya, we definitely appreciate, you know, you taking time out of your day to come chat with us and tell us about everything that you got going on. And uh, it's an honor to meet you. And, God, you know, I, I, I wish I could uh, uh, direct more uh, ladies your, your way. You know, because I would I, love that. the uh, life lessons that you've endured uh, has definitely made you a stronger person. I know I've experienced a lot in my life, you know, and I consider myself damaged. I haven't been through, you know, the the rape molestation and none of those things, but just other life uh, experiences, you know, dealing with uh, just life, you know, female uh-huh. businesses and uh, uh, racial issues and. You know, all that stuff, you know, you still become damaged goods and how to push through that or to survive through that and become a better person and not be uh, uh, succumbed by your circumstances or your environment. A lot of us succumb to our environment no matter what, but just yeah. get uh, pull through that and put your head up and, and look at yourself in the mirror and, and be happy with yourself. I mean that that says a lot. That's I think it. Ultimately, ultimately, that's what life's about. It's about the journey. You know, we all uh, are not the same as we started out, but I think how we end up and where we end up is the most important thing. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that's very true. And I'm actually glad that you said that because um, just coming from a male perspective, because one of the things that I got. Um, from the book, when I, especially when I was, when I was out doing my tour, uh, was a lot of guys who would approach me because my target audience was initially women. You know, I thought that it was a woman thing. And so, you know, I had guys approaching me saying, you know, you're leaving us out. Like, we go through stuff too, and it doesn't have to be the same stuff that I went through, but what they were saying was that they go through stuff as well. They have to deal with issues and problems as well. And so a lot of them were reading my book like, wow, you know, it was helping them. They were able to still relate even though we're, you know, we've gone through completely different things or completely different genders. And so it's crossed racial barriers. It's crossed age barriers. It's crossed gender barriers. And for me, 
that's the success in it. I had a young girl contact me um, after my tour that was dealing with breast cancer. She was, like, in her 20s, and she had bought my book on my tour and read it and, and contacted me and, and left me in tears telling me how my book, you know, blessed her and helped her to keep her head up while she was going through these things. I've never been through breast cancer, but for her to be able to take my words and use them to help her with what she was dealing with was truly amazing for me, and that's what God meant by it's not about you. And so that's kind of, for me, that was all I needed, just that one person. If it touched that one person, and so for for to see it touch so many different people and so many different aspects of life, so many different walks of life, you know, from rich people to poor people, from male to female, for it to touch those people in a in a way that it has, I, I just, you know, for me it's just been amazing. And I'm grateful that I was able to be obedient enough to go back and put it out because I was never going to put it out. You know what, I want to dovetail from that for, uh, for about a minute. Because just this past week alone, there were I was on three shows on BTR which encompassed two days. One show took up, um, was done simultaneously with another show, and it was about domestic abuse with men being the victims. Uh-huh. So men are coming up to you. There is a need out there because there's only one shelter for men who are uh, victims of domestic abuse, and men suffer in silence. Yep. So if your book is touching men, then then cool, as well as women, of course, but... Men too. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's amazing, and I and you know, and and this is a way because men are, you know, or they feel like they are inherently stronger, um, in that sense where they take on more or they try to. I don't really believe that, but the attempt is there to take on more and hide it, you know, and and you don't know what they're going through. But this book is a way for them to still do that if that's what they choose to do. You know, because they can still read it and deal with things in their own way and not necessarily have to come out about what's going on with them at that time if they're not comfortable doing so, but they can still be getting some some form of help in the meantime, even if it's just, um, you know, some emotional healing that they're able to go through on their own by reading the book. And so I think that's wonderful, and that's actually a reason why I'm starting the organization as well, because the organization is not just for women. Um, part of what kind of kicked me in the butt to start it was watching a news story about a young boy who had been sexually assaulted by some boys in the neighborhood, and the the national organization, the Rape Crisis Center, got on the TV, on national TV, and said that they didn't have any support for for the male victim because there wasn't enough need, and I was floored by that because that is absolutely untrue. There's a huge need for support for male victims as well. They don't come forward like they should, unfortunately, one, because of ego, but also because they don't feel like there's support for them, you know, and so that's a part of the reason why I'm starting Watch as well. So my goal is to help everybody. I don't want to just um, be gender biased because it's not just a woman problem. Well, I'm afraid to tell you, though, there is no help for old curmudgeons. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) For old what? (laughs) For old curmudgeons like me. (laughs) You know, the ones that say, good morning. What are you talking about, good morning? That's not a good morning. Get out of here. Yeah, well. I would would have a good role in that movie. (laughs) 
if I was. No, I, I can imagine how hard it would be for any man to come forward because of society and because of ego and because of pride issues, mm-hmm. you know, and and how society has a tendency to always cast the man, you know, you, you know, you're a man, you know, you're supposed to be strong, you know, you're supposed to be emotionally strong and. You know, how could that ever happen to you in the first place? You know, even though, uh-huh. you know, uh, a man can say he was raped, the, the, uh, even in the back of their mind, they're looking at you like, well, how could that like you allow you that to happen anyway? you weak, yep. you know. How come you didn't yep. uh, bite their neck off or uh, something, 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 yep. you know. How could you even allow that, you know. And, and, and I could see how people would feel that, and, and that would cause them to shy away and not even come forward. Yep. It does. It does absolutely. And then a lot of times, especially in the younger, um, the younger guys that have those um, issues, they start to question their own identity, and so that also becomes a problem because then they're looked upon even worse, even worse than everything that you just mentioned because now they're questioning their identity, you know. And it's it's just it's it's scary, and it it leads to more and more problems, and it leads to more mental health issues and you know and then that causes a whole nother circle of problems so it's just gang, it's, there gang just needs violence. to be some support yep yeah gang violence drive-by shootings uh all to kinds of about nobody in the world they don't respect their parents because their parents allowed horrific things to happen to them so they just don't like nobody and don't have no respect yep. for nobody and nothing you know. Absolutely, and then they gotta they gotta defend their manhood because now they're questioning their own identity. So of course they think other people are questioning their identity, and they have to they have to now protect their manhood. So they're gonna be doing things that 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 make them feel like a man, you know, and that's gonna cause other problems. They may end up raping people themselves, or you know, all types of other criminal activities because now they need to feel like a man again. And so you know, it's just it's just a vicious cycle where if there was some support out there, a lot of it wouldn't happen. That's my opinion, anyway. Oh, well, your opinion's right. I mean, you should have heard. Um, it wasn't as though anybody really said so definitively on the three shows. But people were, you could almost hear the gasping of breath, the exhalation of, of, of relief that people had at the end of the show because finally somebody was listening to these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we had two guys who ordinarily go on um, uh, on the shows and don't really talk about themselves, but then they started talking about the kind of abuse that they encountered within their marriages. And um, single guys were talking about, um, you know, the, the dating game. And it was, um, it was very, very supportive. So um, men um, need to have these kind of support groups, but... Again, like you and Daddy were talking about, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people don't come forward. Ego, pride, um, and, and they get condemned. Why? What do you, yep. uh, what do you mean you, you allowed this to happen to you? You know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. And that's the scary part because for a man especially, you know, condemn, condemnation from your peers is huge and heavy. As a man, I, 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 I would... I would guess that that I'm not a man. I have I don't really know for sure, but you know, my opinion would be that that has got to be very very difficult for a man to endure 
being condemned by his peer um, with regards to his manhood. I, I can't, I can't imagine that that would be something easy well, you've to experience. But it's also because when women, um, when something happens to a woman, um, a woman can can have the finger pointed at her by maybe her relatives and say, why did you do that or why didn't you help me and stuff like this. But a man is almost always considered somebody who brought it upon themselves. They don't get the same kind of consideration as being a victim. If you're a victim, then, you know, you're a, um, what can I, how can I clean up the act? Um, you're somebody who is <laughs> weak. Uh-huh. And, you, you know, you don't deserve to be looked upon with respect. But a woman, something happens to her, a lot of people do come to her aid, even if it's not professional help. Um, so, yeah, being a man, um, when you listen to stories from other men talking about what they've gone through, it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of oomph in order to express themselves. Let me tell you why that is. And it's the stupidest thing in the world to me. But when it happens to a woman, it is more, quote-unquote, normal. However, especially speaking um, in terms of sexual assault, when a man sexually assaults a woman, that's more normal. That's, that's, it's not normal that, that he's sexually assaulting her, but the sex aspect of it is more normal. Mm-hmm. When it happens to a man, it's not normal, so to speak. And so that's why people handle it differently. It's stupid, it's unfortunate, it's lack of education, but it just is reality. And I'm just hoping to bring a little bit of change to that. Yeah, it would be good if you do. Well, I think we all here, too, on Can a Player Play, we support that because we support equality. And, uh, and I think that's what does not happen a lot of times people don't believe in equality of being fair across the board because, I mean, the same things apply. You know, women have always been put in a, uh, a category of uh, sugar and spice and everything nice, and mm-hmm. it's okay for them to be emotional and it's okay to change their mind at a whim, but then mm-hmm. the standard society puts on the man is uh, completely different. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to endure. We're supposed to be able to handle that shit no matter what it is. You know what yeah. I mean? But if you don't have, if the man does not have the support system, meaning a, a, a balanced father and mother from uh, the, from youth, you know, to instill him with, you know, morals, integrity, and, and principles, you know, where else he's go- is he going to get that stuff from? He's going to get it from out in the streets, or he's going to get misinformation from teachers, and I do say misinformation, because a lot of teachers teach misinformation. They only teach what they know, and a lot of stuff that they share is not correct. That's right. So, I don't know. We got we got our work cut out for us, and we have to stay diligent, and we have to continue to do shows like this, and hopefully, you know, we can touch other people and give them the necessary information and the tools to go do some research and, and come with the answers themselves. And I don't know, definitely, definitely, definitely don't want anybody thinking I'm trying to tell them anything. I just want to give them the information necessary for them to go out and do the research on their own and come up with their own answers. 
And then if you can't come up with the truth that way, then guess what? It's not meant for you. Mm-hmm. That's it. That is it. Amen. <laughs> Amen, indeed. Yes, well, well, peeps, again, I want to thank you all. We're down to the last couple minutes of the show. And uh, come back any time and definitely come back through Soraya with your, with your new book or any other new projects that you got coming up in the near future. And uh, we're going to be there with Bells on to support you. And I know I'll be seeing you on the set and all that good stuff. And yes. Joe, uh, Joe from Montana, I know we're going to need a water boy or something, so I'm going to look out for you. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I appreciate <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you more Thank keep you, up. thank you very much Definitely, definitely keep up the good work And Joe, stay in touch and let us know how to get in touch with you So we can let you know what we're doing on this end I'd like to know if you're going to have, you know When are you going to have shows on a regular basis again that are actually live? Well, well we have shows on a regular basis, man But you yeah, know, but I mean, they're live. What are we doing now, man? We not live? Not last week, I don't think. Well, I'm gonna cuss you out when we not on the air, but okay. I, I think we yeah. live. Don't we, ain't we live, Soraya? I thought we were live. We are Did definitely we live. live? <laughs> oh, we are right. live right now. No, what are you talking about? You gotta make me think we wasn't live or something. Oh. I thought we was live. Oh, this this is a hologram. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Wow, you missed you missed the comment that we was talking about with atheists. We found some help for people that don't have a spiritual leader. <laughs> we we have some information on what they need to do. So you missed that whole part. When you missed Oh, all right. Because yeah, okay. I definitely oh. put that part out there for especially somebody on the line, and I don't want to mention Joe's name. Oh yeah, yeah. and I saw a reference to the guy down the line. Don't want to mention his name though, but it could be Joe. Yeah, he might be from Montana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could be. Well, come back, my brother. Come back and join right. us next week. You know, and uh, uh, we're gonna be live in effect. And uh, if if you're in the country, Soraya, come back and join us. I know we're gonna have a hot topic, and hopefully, we can do some good and bless some people. Absolutely, and just a shameless plug, go pick up the book, When It's Strong, Strong Enough, on Amazon.com. All right, y'all, go get it. Support. All right. We're trying <laughs> to do the right things, y'all. Yes. Take care. Next week, we ain't time.
rain to fall in my house. Tell me Can I lose out? And 